Welcome to No Ideas Original Sports. So I'm Piata. I'm Kareem. My name is Theo. What's good, everybody? Uh, how you doing, everybody out there? We're going to talk about some different things in sports today. We're going to some topics, whatever, just to go over. Um, I think I'm going to start with the NBA, guys. We're saying, I think we all watched that um, that last finals game or something where LeBron passed off to to, saying, to Danny Green at the end of the game. Saying, do you think that LeBron should have took that shot or was it good to pass that out to Danny Green? I mean, I, I guess I'll start. For me, um, I want to see LeBron, as a fan, I want to see LeBron take that shot, you know. At the very least, I want to see him get in there, draw some contact, go to the line. But at the same time, LeBron's mentality is kind of like, like almost like Magic Johnson type of mentality in terms of making the right basketball decision. So I wasn't surprised, you know, to see him throw that ball out to Green. And if Green would have made that shot, we probably wouldn't even be having this conversation. But at the same time, yeah, as a fan, I I, I want to see LeBron take that shot. I think part of it is probably his uh, like free throws. He may have been a little concerned about that, maybe. So I know sometimes he could he could miss a, a free throw here and there. But yeah, I, I would like to see him take it because you look at the greats. You look at Jordan. You look at Kobe. Right? Those guys are killers. You know, LeBron is a killer, but I don't know. I, I think he should have took that shot. Yeah, what do you think, Theo? Uh, you know, looking back at it, I guess you could say you could want to force the shot. I mean, there's three or four guys around him. What I would say is that if anything, he could have uh, created a shot where he could have pulled up for a mid, for mid-range shot instead of going to the hole. Because when he went to the hole, there's four guys there. And at the end of the day, he made a great pass to a great play. And then it was so open, it could have been a free throw shot, in my opinion, he was not so open. But uh, for the fans who like uh, Kobe Bryant fans, Jordan fans, they want LeBron to be more aggressive, I understand that. But I would say at least try to create a, a mid-range jump shot instead of going straight to the hole. When he went straight to the hole, there's four guys there, maybe five guys was there. So that, that being said, I can see it going both ways though. But for me personally, Danny Green got to make that shot, man. There was that, he was too wide open. Yeah, I, I think it was a good decision for him to pass it off because that's the right basketball play. And I think, like you said, with the four or five guys, and I think I don't think the refs would have would have gave him that call at that point because I don't think they want to be the deciding factor in the game either. So even if he would have went in there, probably been in one of those situations where he would have mm-hmm. he, he would have got fouled, but it would it have been tough for them to make that call to decide that game on the free throw line or something like that. Yeah. Well, if, if we look at it a few times. I think he probably missed a shot. He looked kind of off balance it's the way he went up and he threw it back out. But so I think he took a shot, or tried to do a float, he probably missed a shot more likely. The way he looked in the air kind of off balance. From my point yeah, of view. He, yeah, he kind of, he kind of looked like he was fading to the side. I, I right. just like to have seen him put his head down and, and go to the hole and, and kind of sort of force the refs to make a decision. Because at the end of the day, it's LeBron. So are they going right. to really throw him for like an offensive foul? Or right. I highly right. doubt it. So. <laughs> I, I would like to see him just put his head down and go. But at yeah. the same time, again, if Danny Green makes that shot, right, we aren't we aren't even having this conversation. That's what they brought Green in there to do. Right. To make clutch, you know, shots, but to hit wide open shots. You know, the guy is a shooter. And he even said it himself that if he could have that shot back, he, he would shoot it a, a hundred times. You know, mm-hmm. he was wide open. Mm-hmm. I even heard people say, hey, they should have swung it to, to Caldwell Pope in the corner and 
I don't I don't agree with that. You know, Not the guy wide open. He, he he may have been thinking about it a little too much when LeBron passed it to him. But I think he he just should have knocked it down. You know, that's what he's yes. there for. Yeah. I mean, speaking of you know thinking about Danny Green and speaking about these teams or thinking about it. Do, who do we think actually has the better supporting cast of role players? When we, you know, when we look at it from a supporting cast, obviously LeBron has Anthony Davis, and you could say Jimmy Butler has Bam Adebayo. But those guys aside, when you look at the role players on those teams, who do you think actually helps? You know, who's going to get the most out of uh, for the team? I will. I'm sorry. I was in towards Miami. I mean, look at the role players or best players. Uh, we rather have, we rather have uh, Morris. We rather have Jay Crowder. I rather have Jay Crowder any day. You know, you got Tyler Hero. You got the Robinson kid. You got uh, the kid Dunn, who's playing well. Matter of fact, he's very explosive. He can put up ten points real quick. Compared to the Lakers, you got Rondo, who's playing very good. By the way, outside of him, who else is playing well? It was kind of up and down, so to speak. You know, so I'll lean towards the Miami Heat. I mean, I, I, I'd probably go with the Lakers for the simple fact, like you said, those, those guys are good, you know, on Miami, especially Hero. Hero is showing that he's he, he has potential to be a lot more than a role player. Agreed. Look at, you, you look at Duncan Robinson as well. I mean, the guy is a specialist. He adds a little more to his game. Who knows? He could be an all-star one day, maybe. Um, but I go with the Lakers because those guys have championship um, experience. You look at Dwight. Even though he's not really playing, right? But he 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 has that experience. The guy basically carried the Orlando Magic team on his back to the finals. Then you look at Rondo. You mentioned Rondo. Rondo's playing well. He's actually well. outside shots. Right. right. I, I think Rondo should have been on the court at the end of the game instead of Morris. Nice. And then you look at um, again some of the veterans. You look at Jr. He's not on the court, but he he's yeah. a veteran, so he sees things. You know, he could get in guys' ear on the bench and stuff like that. Even uh, another guy that falls into that category is JaVale McGee, right? McGee is not really playing right now, but the guy has some experience. Whereas, like, the Miami players, though, those dudes are good, but they're kind of, like, learning on the fly. They're putting a lot, of, a lot of those guys in positions that they've never been in before. You know, right. Tyler Hero, let's say, this guy was playing high school ball two years ago, you know? So I, I would personally probably go with the Lakers just based on the experience factor. I mean, I didn't realize that, you know, looking at the Lakers roster, how many people on that team actually have won championships. And you've been in the championship. You know, you got Rondo and Danny Green. You got J.R. Smith and JaVale McGee. Yes. And you got Dwight Howard, who actually been there but lost. And then some of these other guys like a Caldwell Pope, Caldwell Pope. We see him now what he is now, but when he was on Detroit, I think he might have been like the leading scorer on the team or the Memphis. Yeah, yeah, yeah I recall that. I forgot. He, I forgot about Caldwell Pope. And of course, Danny, Danny Green, too, right? He missed that big shot, but he's a vet. Right. You know, he, he has a few rings on his belt, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I like, it with him. I like the Miami guys, the heroes and nuns and Duncan. I think they, they're helping out a lot. Crowder's playing his role, slowing, slowing guys down. Yeah. I mean, I think it would have been nice yeah, for them to have Eagle yeah. Dollar from two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Good, yeah, he has that that experience that I spoke about with the Lakers, right? Iggy, right? He falls into that category. That's why he was on the court at the end of the game, Iggy. Yeah, it's championship type of plays, you know. I mean, we watch all these guys, these guys all you know, dipping in, and they all trying to contribute. 
but you know we gotta we gotta admit that the, the effort that Jimmy Butler's putting in is is different right now. I so mean, from what we see from Jimmy Butler, does that would you say Jimmy Butler's now a superstar from what we've seen in Jimmy Butler in this finals? I mean, for me, I I've always had one last borderline star, superstar that is. I've always had him as a as like a borderline superstar. The reason why I say borderline is, you know, he when we look at superstars, we have a tendency, most of us anyway, have a tendency to look at gaudy stats in terms of points, right? Mm-hmm. Butler's never been mm-hmm. one of those guys that's averaging 25, 27, 28, even though in the finals he is. Um, but the reason why I say I've always looked at him as a borderline, and now uh, to answer your question, I say, yeah, I think he is a star, because you a superstar. You look at um, Chicago, right? When he was on the Bulls, he had a crew there. He had Eric Rose, he had Noah, etc. Right? So a little overshadowed, but he was playing his role, right? But thing is, when he left the Bulls, look what happened to the Bulls. He goes to Minnesota, look what happened in Minnesota. Minnesota makes the playoffs for the first time in who, who knows how many years, you know? Then he leaves Minnesota, goes to Philly, right? Once he left Minnesota, look what happened in Minnesota. They took a couple of steps back, in my opinion. Philadelphia, all of a sudden, Jimmy Butler was viewed as almost like a championship contender, right? He leaves mm-hmm. them. Now they still got a good team, but they kind of took a couple of steps back. Now you look at look at him on Miami. I heard people saying when he first signed with the with the Heat that he was basically going there for for the nice weather. You know, mm. he looked at it wasn't even seen as like he's going there to compete. But now you look at Miami, they're in the finals. So, I mean, over the over the uh, years, the guy has built a resume. I'd say that makes him a superstar. Uh, I think he's a star, but he's trending upwards to a superstar. I think if he's more consistent in the finals, I would have the problem calling him superstar. But I get the first game, he was kind of subpar. Game two, kind of like uh, he was decent. Third game, took off. Fourth game, I guess he was tired from game three with what output he did. to kind of throw back in game five, of course, he exploded again. But um, if he's more consistent in the finals and had a great five, five straight games, I would say, yeah, I'll, I'll give him some star status, though. But as far as uh, entering next season, He's turning that. He's turning that way, and keep playing the way he's playing right now. Yeah, I, I think he could probably show a little more. But and one of the things I like about Jimmy Butler is he's willing to do whatever it takes or needs to win. So, like if they need more points, but it seems like where they're struggling, that he excels at that. If they need to distribute the ball, he'll excel at that. If they need defense, they rebound. So he kind of covers all the bases for them. You know, he's like a do all, do everything type of guy. He's kind of been yes. like that on all those teams you mentioned. Yeah, he's basically been been carrying them through, but I, I do think he needs a little more on his resume mm-hmm. because you know right now I mean it's is it's either him or nothing right now. So so they they need him to do it and he's doing it. So that for that part of it is great. But like you said, Leo, you know maintaining that consistency and being able to do it like for a sustained amount of time. Right, might, it might get him going a little more. The crazy thing is, we look at um, like guys like, let's say, going back to Tyler Hero. We look at Tyler Hero, and I, I seen him score once he scored that thirty-five points or whatever it was. Um, I seen people calling him a superstar. You know, mm-hmm. all of a sudden. So Jimmy Butler, you know, going back to him, 
I think he's at least built up the resume. Whereas you look at, let's take some of the, the younger guys, the John Morants and stuff like that. Even Zion, right? People are already calling these guys superstars, you know? And they, they don't have nearly the resume. Right. So I, I, but I do agree that Jimmy can be, he, he has to be a little bit more consistent. Not in terms of the effort. I don't think any of us could debate the guy's yeah. work ethic, you know? The guy's effort is always there. But I think sometimes he, he he can show like a lack of aggression on the offensive end at times. And I don't know if Miami, um, and I know Theo, you mentioned you thought they had uh, strong role players, but I don't know mm -hmm. if they necessarily had the supporting cast to have Jimmy Butler take nights off on the offensive end where he's relying on Hero to get you 25 or Duncan Robinson to get you 30 or whatever it is, or even Bam out of bio for that matter. You know, so yeah, I, I agree that he, he definitely can be more consistent. He has to be, you know. I agree, I agree. And I like, I like how he's showing his, uh, uh, his forward guard skill. He's playing point guard most of the time when the game was close. So I like to see that about him because before, I don't feel that sort of in his game before, him playing point guard until the finals came about. When he played point guard, he played make good decisions. He's playing hard, everybody in the right spots, you know. So uh, you've got to see his game evolve. In the finals. Yeah, that, that's true because I, I never really looked at him as too much of a playmaker until now. Right. Like you said, right. I, I always seen him kind of like out on the wing. He'd get the ball maybe in the post, right? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. I never really seen him trying to break the offense down from the perimeter. But yeah, that's that's a good point. Now he's adding that to his game, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he def definitely expanded his game. I mean, it's good to see he had it in him because I definitely didn't really see him as a guy that was going to be running the point. I wonder how that has to do with, um, with Drogic's being hurt. You think that adds, like, that's factoring into Jimmy having to, like, take on more of that, that point guard type of playmaker role? I, I would say so, because I think even though they got Kendrick Nunn, I don't think he's, I think he's more like a combo guard. You know, he, he can pass, but that's not what he's necessarily looking to do first. He might be like a shoot first point guard, so... Right now, Jimmy Butler's probably the only person that is doing, you know, distributing the ball out there for Miami. Right, decision making. Right, I agree with you. The top two guys make good decisions are Dragic and uh, Jimmy Butler, what we've seen so far all year long, even in the finals. And I know, uh, like in the past, a couple of years ago, like that type of role may have been like Iggy, right? Iggy was playing that that point forward type of role. Mm -hmm. Now Miami's not really using them, you know, in that manner. But before he would have been another playmaker on the, on on the court for them. Right, right. I agree with you on that. I mean, all throughout this finals, we see we've seen you know I, I think we've seen seen you know different supporting casts, different guys stepping up at different times and everything like that. And I, one thing I definitely see is that LeBron is always trying to will himself to win. He's talking to AD. He's talking to all different players, and he's kind of like the driving force behind that, behind what they're doing or something. Being that LeBron is who he is and everything, and every year we see him, you know, pass another statistical category or he passes this guy on the list. Do we ever think LeBron will be able to pass Jordan as the, the GOAT in basketball? Let me know what y'all think of that. Yeah, can we go first in that one, man? Yeah, I don't think so. You know, <laughs> obviously the, the guy, nobody could like diminish the guy's accomplishments, right? For me, he's probably the, the second best player of all time, probably. Um, 
But passing MJ, I don't, I don't think so. And part of the reason for that is, um, I think you have to factor in his, his finals appearances, right? Compared to MJ, the record, um, that Dallas series, I'm sure still haunts a couple of people where he kind of disappeared a little bit in that Dallas series. Um, whereas we didn't see any of that from Mike. Mike was out there every, not to say Mike never had bad games, because that's a bit of uh, exaggeration too. I, I'm right. sure we got the footage and we see Scotty <laughs> carried him on a couple of those games too, you know, and carried each other. So I'm not saying Mike never had a bad game, but at the same time, I think um, a- another part of that is uh, is going back to that killer mentality. LeBron is a killer, but he's kind of sort of built up that mentality of the whole, you know, I'm making the right basketball play type of type of mindset type of guy. Whereas we look at Jordan, the mindset of Jordan was that, you know, he he's going to try to get the job done no matter what in terms of scoring. He's, he's going to attack. So I think that kind of hurts LeBron, that image there. But I mean, it does it hurt to be second, you know, all time? I, I don't think it does. Um, in my opinion, he's second. Yeah, I, I don't see how he could pass Mike. Um, I think the Cleveland championship, when he won that one, probably put him in second for me. You know, because prior to that, you, you can make the case for a couple of other guys. But I think him leading Cleveland along with Kyrie to the to the championship probably solidified him in second. But I don't see any way he, he he's passing Mike, you know. And maybe for me, because I, I go back to that era, could be a little bit of that too, right? Whereas some of the, the 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 younger guys may see LeBron as that type of player, or maybe even like a Kobe, right? Let's say. <clears throat> so maybe that's factor, and then where I'm saying no way he he's surpassing Mike, but I I don't see it, you know. What do you uh, what do you think, uh, Theo? Uh, it it kind of hurts me to give MJ his props because I'm a diehard Georgetown fan and Knicks fan, so that that's for itself why I hate MJ <laughs> yeah, so much. Same here, Knicks fan. You know, <laughs> so well. Uh, but that being said, uh, I have MJ as the GOAT without question. Um, I think what hurt LeBron's chance of trying to surpass him was the Mavs series when he really just disappeared in that series. Um, Lose to the Spurs. Spurs is just a better team. Um, him and Bosch <laughs> and Wade, they're yeah. trio. Guys, no ball, no Spurs. Just flat was a better team from one to twelve. Okay, so the, so I, I don't use that, use that against him as far as losing to the Spurs. But um, my sticking point is just the Mavs season where he just uh, you know didn't show up for the series, man. And so I that think really hurt him. We could probably make that same case about Golden State. Him losing those championships, kind of like undermanned to Golden State, really didn't hurt him too much in my eyes, at least. No, you know, he wasn't expected in my eyes to 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 even be there, let alone win a championship with those teams. You know, um, I think the year that I don't know what year was, but the year that he lost Kevin Love and Kyrie, and Kyrie yeah. had forty, he had forty. Yeah. It was it was put on Golden State. Yeah, so Kyrie got hurt. Yeah, and of course, previous uh, series against Boston. Um, the most love and shoulder injury. So I'm thinking with a healthy uh, Kyrie and, and love, of course, hindsight, I think they would take the Warriors, man. It would yeah. be the Warriors dynasty at yeah. all. Good point. I think Kyrie ended up fracturing his knee or something and like yeah. of shoulder injury, somebody right. killed his shoulder. Uh, shoulder. Oh, 40 points. They both have 40 points apiece. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. They... And LeBron going six games with uh, Deladova starting the back over with him. That's a lot, man. Yeah, that actually uh, helped solidify his 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 position, you know, yeah. with that supporting cast, you know. Now, outside with that, that one shot we passed Kyle Corbett, that shot he should have took it without question. 
it was a good play like on um, last game with Dan Green play, but that way it was like a layup or a dunk, yeah, either or. He chose option C was a pass to Cole on the baseline. I'm quite yeah. sure he regret that more than game five of the finals for sure. I, I think that's what it is for me too. I think I think Mike Mike, I mean, the only time I can remember Mike not taking that shot is the one he threw to Steve Kerr. <laughs> 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 right. The crazy thing is they drew that up, right? The supposed yeah. told him beforehand, hey, they're gonna double me, so that's gonna be over. Yeah. You know? But Mike Mike would always take that shot and he he you know he he was kind of relished the big moment. I don't know if LeBron relishes that much too. But what's funny about LeBron too is when I talk about all these statistics and things he racks up. People forget that he's played quite a few more years than Jordan too. Like Jordan didn't have a 18 year career or whatever, a 16 year career. Yeah. Jordan played a lot less years. So some it's of those statistics and longevity statistics, you're gonna have more numbers if you play more years. So you, you, you should anyway. Very fair point. Jordan obviously, Jordan obviously was a better defender than LeBron. LeBron got better, you know, became a better defender as he grown into actually playing it, but. Initially, he wasn't the most of the, um, the greatest defender, and then they have like you know that player efficiency thing. I think Jordan's got the the best player efficiency reading in the history of basketball, or something like that. I've seen a couple of on LeBron's defense. I've seen a couple of plays last year where like Kuz was kind of like pushing him into position, and <laughs> I think LeBron kind of like takes plays off, takes game <laughs> off in terms of the defensive end. I guess it depends on the matchup, you know. Right. Right. Um, LeBron was the best defender in his prime. I mean, he's, he's still in the back end of his prime. But LeBron his prime was a very good defender, for sure. I think he was a, a more all-around defender where he could guard multiple positions more than Jordan. Yeah. When Jordan could defend the point guard, shooting guard, maybe the small four, depending who out there in the court. Yeah. But LeBron go one through four, for sure, as far as his size and his strength. Yeah. Or defending the various guys in court. So if you don't have LeBron as number one, where, where would you put him? Because I, I have Matt, too. Where would you put LeBron? Yeah, I have LeBron at two. Well, of course, like yeah. I said, it just hurts me to give Michael, Michael Jordan credit for being a diehard for the Knicks fan. So I'm still sparked by that. I mean, every single day. I, I got him at two, too. I mean, I, I said, but he, he, he's definitely two. But yeah, I'm sure as Knicks fans, Mike hurt y'all, hurt y'all a lot. And I'm sure yeah. Yeah. if and we have Pistons fans, fans they, Pistons fans hate him, too. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. But at least those guys that say they beat him in, in the playoffs. Once at least, we can't say that at all, man. None, <laughs> none of my teams, college or pro, so I'm scarred for life with that. I hear you, man. Yeah. So, guys, let's let's transition over to to baseball for a minute. Mm. So, right now we see that we're in the we're in the playoffs and we're getting close to the World Series. And baseball decided to play a 60 game shortened season this year. Do y'all think they should have even played, or was a 16-game shortened season good, or how do y'all feel about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, these guys are gonna play regardless. Uh, if we do, if they did the research, the protocol, and, and, and um, the background check as far as the playing in so-called stadiums, who had a better climate, better environment, a low uh, scale rate of COVID. I, I have a problem with these guys playing. These guys want to play, by the way. Let's get that. Let's get out the way. They're not being forced to play at all. These guys want to play. They want to make sure they get paid their salary, which is really the hold up when these guys are playing so late into the season. But uh, that being said, I have no issue with these guys playing with football, basketball, whatever sport it is, man, because these guys want to play. Those who don't want to play, understand it completely. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a scary situation, your family like that. But um, that being said, I have no issue with in any sport these guys want to play. 
may not be forced to play. We want to play, so have a problem at all. But for it being 60 games, why not? Because we'll play baseball in December. Somebody yeah. trying to do that. Now you're going to play in L.A. the whole entire season. So that, that's kind of like, you know, not too sure about that. The team would agree to play, to play in one or two stadiums all year round for 182 games. Yeah. So I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at it like like the 60 games. Um, a lot of times, I guess, you know, when we see these teams, we think of people being mega rich and always making money and stuff. But it gets to a point where you got to pay to have that stadium open and all this different stuff, the lighting and yes. all the different things you got going on. So I know they were debating in the beginning. The players wanted to play longer games, but the owners were like, you know what, this is the best we could do without start, you know, really getting into the, getting into the red. Right. So, and talk about another thing, you know, settling point. Another thing that we probably have to factor in is, um, like we're talking about the players. What about the the people who work at these stadiums and stuff? You know, they they have families to feed as well. Right. So, um, but on my end, it, the sixty game thing is kind of like it, it's like up in the air in terms of like I like the idea of the sixty games. That way, you get the the season on. You get it over with and then in theory everybody is safe right because you could go home to your family the pandemic or whatever and quarantine do what you have to do there i'm sure you asked the the businessmen right about, about a 60 game schedule they probably weren't too happy right because it's not generating enough revenue yeah etc so I, I think it depends but i think like you said the uh, these guys wanted to play um and this probably was their only option to do it a shortened season so I, I think it was best for the players um, and and uh, the game of baseball in terms of the business, because there was no way these guys were going to play a full 162 game schedule, in my opinion. I mean, uh, they weren't quarantining as well. I mean, uh, they weren't uh, going with a bubble format like the NBA, right? So now you're talking right. about travel and everything else, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you think of 60 games, listen, 60 games seems short, but doesn't once 162 games possibly seem long too to begin with? 162? Yeah, I, I mean, as a fan of baseball, I always thought it was a bit excessive. These guys are, well, it's, it's good and bad. As a fan, I like that they were playing 162 games because I constantly get to see them. There's always mm -hmm. something on for me to watch. Right. But at the same time, playing 162 games, that probably at some point diminishes the quality of the game because they're playing so much, right? So now guys are prone to injury and stuff like that because they're out there every other day, you know? So I always thought the baseball season was probably a bit too long to begin with. Um, I don't know if 60, like under yeah. normal circumstances, 60 may be a little bit too short. I always thought maybe around that 100, 100 and something game, low hundreds maybe. But then you got to start factoring in what does that do to, uh, in terms of like all time records and stuff like that, if guys start right. playing games and right. that whole thing. So, but what do you, what do you think, Theo, in regards to like a shortened season, permanently shortened? What should it be? What's the comfort zone for, for a, you know, major league season? Well, uh, these guys are already programmed to play all those games to begin with. It's coming from uh, Venice High School and, and, and uh, minor leagues and coming pro. So, uh, and plus, baseball is not really a grueling sport like football. You get a major injury like that, maybe with an uh, ankle sprain. But baseball is not really, it's kind of a, a carefree sport. A, 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 minimal, a, a minimal amount of injury, I would say. Um, 
that being said, these guys' bodies is, is kind of changing as, as we get older, as the years goes on. These guys are bigger, stronger, faster. Um, sometimes the mass of a man's body can't take up so much. But I think that maybe uh, 125 game, maybe 140 would be good. As far as by myself, I'm a baseball fan, so I won't mind 140 tops. They just gotta get some breaks like that. 140 is good enough, and probably add two more teams to the playoffs too as well. Yeah, that that would that would be nice. Yeah, I think I think they did that for this this um this sixty game shortened season. I'm, that seems like something right. that they can probably yeah, probably right. keep. Yeah, I, I think that would be something they definitely should consider keeping because it it makes it more interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I do think just with those extra teams added, I think there were a couple of upsets too in that. With those those couple, you got to see new teams like you get to see a San Diego and and a um, Chicago White Sox yeah. in the playoffs. Two teams right, you haven't right. seen and. In right. years and Tony Gwynn was around or Tim right, Raines, right. something like that. Actually, the White Sox, the White Sox was favored to beat us uh, Oakland A's. Oakland got, uh, got him out of there. So, like you said, man, upsets and real teams you don't see in a long time in playoffs is a good thing to see. I think that's that's one thing that baseball probably can benefit from is is playing around with some of the different ideas. Like I think the NBA does a good job of that. Um, Major League Baseball seems very rigid. You know, mm-hmm. adding right. teams and stuff like that, more teams to the playoffs and just spicing it up, changing it up a little bit. I think ba- baseball in general could probably benefit from doing some of those things. You know, I know they I played around a little bit with like the all-star games and stuff like that um, to try to add some value to the all-star game, some importance to it. But I think in general, they probably could benefit from from making some some additional changes, you know. But at the same time, do you think Going back to the revenue aspect, do you think the businessmen, if they shorten the season, how do they make up that money? Is there anything you think they can do to, to like make up that money that they probably would lose from from playing twenty something less games? Let's say maybe uh, uh, the contract for the uh, these uh, TV channels for sure, like ESPN, TBS, TNT, who are airing these games. And you see those cardboards out there in the stadium. Cardboards cost two thousand dollars, man, per per cardboard. So with your face being a cowboy, you got two G's, man. Man, two G's, man. So they find a way to make money for sure. Yeah, they they they, they find a way to make it up somehow. Right. They, they, they have to. Do you see um like baseball doing like what the NBA did with like the patches on the jerseys and stuff like that? There you go. I can see right. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, matter of fact, the Yankees have the Nike swoosh on these jerseys, man. So right there speaks for itself, man. So there's already in motion, actually. I think it's more real estate on a baseball jersey too to put those patches there. You get a couple of patch on each shoulder. Right, so. saw, yeah. One way they make that revenue already is um the fact that the season is long when they when they sell that sponsorship to these stadiums, right? To these these uh companies for the stadiums and stuff like that. I'm sure they're making a good amount of money off of that alone, especially considering it's a long season. You know, you hear City Field and all of this, uh a hundred and something times a, a, a year, you know? Right. I'm sure they're making making that money there. But you know the businessmen, they want to make as much as possible. So they hear shortened season. Right. You know, they, they automatically think, hey, we we probably are losing some type of money, you know? Right. right. Yeah. The players the players will lose more than than owners every day all day. Oh that's yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's a good point too, is yeah. now how does that impact contracts and negotiations and right. And the people who aren't players, right? The people who work in those stadiums, the concession yeah. stands, and yeah, that's, that's a good, good point. 
Yeah. A lot, a lot of people will be affected by that by changing, you know, changing that format and changing the amount of games. Yeah. We're at a point now in the playoffs, guys, where we had like the kind of the final four in major in major league baseball. So, who you guys got going to the World Series? Well, I, I, I cannot root for the Astros. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's not happening. Yankee Yeah, and I cannot root for anybody who eliminates my team. So I'm going National League all the way, no matter who the team is. Let's go National League. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I, I kind of think the Dodgers because it seems like to me, like on paper on the roster, but they got the, the, the best roster in baseball, maybe mm-hmm. with the pitcher staff. I mean. It, it seems logical, and, I, and I'm a Yankee fan, and I know I hate to say this, but if, if I had to say just to prove a point to like all the teams spending all that money, it wouldn't be bad to see Tampa Bay win just because their team is not predicated on spending yeah. all that money. Um, being a Yankee fan myself, uh, <laughs> I, I think, I, and I, I same way you hate to go uh, give MJ his props, I, I yeah. got to go with the Astros, you know? Only because, the, for some reason, these guys always seem to find a way to step it up in the playoffs, you know. Plus, I think they have a lot to prove in terms of, remember when the season started, the whole cheating scandal. <laughs> these guys, are they're, they're looking to prove something, you know. Right. Hey, we can still win um, went without the quote-unquote cheating, right? But at the same time, do you guys think that who no matter who wins, do you think it's kind of like an asterisk next to it? Is it diminished because it's shortened season or? I mean, no, I, I, I give them a full, a full, full championship. I mean, I, I don't think you can control, you know, what's going on in the world. So, I mean, and, and they did bring everybody back, back into it or something. I think like with other leagues, it's a little different. Like, you know, like, like, you know, just using the NBA as reference, the NBA, some people ain't showing up today. They didn't even get a chance to get in the bubble, so it's just a little different. Yeah, it's a right. little different in the baseball. Everybody got a shot, and we're saying everybody played it out. It wasn't everybody played the same sixty games, and this mm-hmm. how it shook out. So. I think I, I think I might have to go at the asterisk for the simple fact that um, because of the shortened season, you know, like. As a as a fan, let's say as a Dodgers fan, let's say the Dodgers been trying to win a championship since forever. They finally get one. Let's say, is it is it compromised knowing that they didn't go through the the full 162 games? And because I, I personally would like to see, I think the Astros are going to win it, but I would like to see the Dodgers get one. You know, but I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it, it is a little bit of an asterisk there. I think football jumping back there would probably be. Um, assuming they can finish the schedule, maybe uh, the sport that they don't get that asterisk because they're on pace, at least in theory, to play a full schedule. Um, again, it's only 16 games compared to uh, NBA season and, and baseball. But I think for me, it probably is a little bit of an asterisk, but it's still an accomplishment, you know? Right, right. Yeah, I want to finish that. I think with baseball, when you, when you look at it with the 60 games, I, I definitely think it benefits certain teams because, well, it, if you think about it, just from being a Yankee fan, they have played most of those games without Stanton and without Judge for almost all those 60 games. So had it been a full season, you know, they probably ended up with a better position in the playoffs or something. It wasn't in the been like, you know, 
it have been, been they've been a home team and some different things would have happened. Same thing would have happened for other teams. So there is some definite benefit to being a shortened season as far as like teams health and stuff like that. And then you got yeah, Theo. No, I was just about to say I think the pandemic is a good excuse for not having an asterisk for me personally. I mean these guys didn't see this coming. Um so uh, I mean and like I said, everybody would play the game. Everybody played 60 games or NBA. Everybody played a little 40 games or 30 games, what it was. So, um, like I said, it wasn't planned. Unfortunately, what we're going through right now. But I think the pandemic alone is a good excuse not to put an asterisk on anybody in the championship. And I, I guess the other piece to it is you don't want to, um, again, going back to what you said earlier, Theo, these guys came there ready to play. So right. in time, you don't want to take that away from them, mm-hmm. you know? These guys played, they gave us sports during a time, you know, when we pretty much needed it, probably. Right. And, and also, they yeah. had uh, ex- uh, exhibition games, too, baseball and basketball. They had, uh, you know, I guess, preseason games, so to speak, in NBA, exhibition games in baseball. So, you guys had time, I guess, not time, but enough games to get acclimated into playing baseball again. Do you think yeah, the impact in the schedule in any way, like in terms of like pitcher rotations, right? Because these guys, the, the season was so shortened that um, teams with like longer rotations and stuff like that, do they did they benefit from from the shortened season or because you, you take the Yankees, right? You take our ace having this guy try to pitch every other game and stuff like that in the playoffs. It's a bit rough, whereas usually it may have been a little spread out, you know, in terms of the, the games. So you could pitch them, you know, a little more frequent. Right. So do you think somebody had a, like an unfair advantage due to the shortened season? I mean, well, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you go, man. I just I just look at it like this. They, they only pitch the, the minus, you figure 60 games. If you have five starters, they only pitch 12 starts to begin with. So they it's not like they threw 30 games this year. You got 12, maybe 13 starts in the in the 60 games, so. That's true. That's a good yeah. point. The teams that are playing right now are teams who have better pitching. That's what it is. That's true. The teams who play right now, they all have better pitching. The Braves, uh, the Dodgers, Tampa Bay, and Houston. They have better pitching. Yeah, that's true. That's what we come down to. And pitching win games. Yes, yes. Definitely yes. wins games. Mm-hmm. So. With that said, let's transition into the NFL now. Uh-oh. <laughs> he said, Theo said, uh-oh. Right, here we go. <laughs> uh, you, ready? you ready for this one? And it's been going on for years. It's been like a hot topic here or something. So how do we feel about Tom Brady? Is he he's still a top QB or is he getting into that game management status mode where he's just out there helping you not to lose? <laughs> what do we think of that one? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, his stats say he's still a top QB. Uh, when you look at like completion percentage, um, that may be a little down. But when you look at like total yardage, but for me, I, I got to go with game manager. I don't know if he could um, like lead you on a weekly basis with his arm anymore. Um, I think he can still get the job done when he has to. Um, but I don't know if he could be that guy who could single-handedly win a game for you um, on a weekly basis. You get him into the playoffs, though, he's dangerous, you know? Um, They got a decent running game over there, right? So, but I don't, for me, he's more of a game manager. And I think they should use him that way more as a game manager and try to preserve him, hopefully, uh, for their sake, for a playoff run. 
you know? But the uh, flip side to that is I've heard people for the last few years put that game manager tag on them. And then, yeah. next, you know, here's Tom Brady in the Super Bowl again or making a long playoff run. Or So we've been, a lot of us been trying to put him in that uh, game manager mode and he's been proving us wrong. So it's kind of hard to, to call him a game manager because it, it's Tom Brady, you know? Uh, well, Kareem said a lot of good points, man. I think right now in his point career, he's a game, he's a very good game manager. And there's one like that. And he kind of deserves to be to be called a game manager without getting no without getting no shade, so to speak. Um, he has a good running game with with Fournette, another guy I've got his name. I think it's Jones. He has good uh, receivers with Goodwin and and, and Evans. Uh, he got Gronkers there. Right now Gronk ain't the same play though, but he has uh, OJ Howard and other guys that got his name right now, so to speak. But um. Bush Arians, man, his head coach, man, he's a very aggressive guy, man. So it's all about Tom Brady making out a pass. Bush Arians like to go deep. And New England, Brady was, you know, a dink and dunk kind of guy, you know. Course yeah. five shallow routes and drags here and there. Once in a while, he goes deep. He got Randy Moss. And with Bruce Arians, his philosophy is about going deep all the time. You know, so I guess that's really his Tom Brady adjustment as far as playing from the team. And him not looking so, I guess, like vintage Brady so far. Yeah, Theo, you made some really good points. He has... He really doesn't have the excuse like those other years where you were talking about Kareem, where we put him in the game manager mode because he's got weapons. Yeah, right. so he, yeah, he can't say he doesn't have weapons this year. But at the same time, like you said, Theo, is that Bruce Arians wants to stretch the ball down the field, and we we haven't really seen that with Tom Brady yet. We're saying with that team, uh, he's still still dinking and dunking. And I, I look at it, and they have a receiver. I think his name is Scotty Miller. Who looks mm-hmm. like a Julian Edelman type of clone and just <laughs> dunking it off the hip all the time? Right, right. Looking down. Yeah. yeah, so Evans and Goodwin, I mean, as this, this may sound crazy, people may not want to hear this. Their numbers are going to be better when they had Jameis Winston than what it will be with Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Jameis Winston had an arm to push the ball down the field. I don't think that Tom ball. Brady got that arm talent to throw the ball down the field anymore. I mean, these guys got to get like clear separation for Tom Brady. They got to get some separation for Tom Brady. That, that, that's a good point, man. That's a good point. <laughs> How much of that is him is like Brady trying to preserve his status, like because you know he doesn't want to go over there to the Buccaneers, and next thing you know, he, he has a season where he has like twenty interceptions or something. <laughs> How much of that is him kind of like playing it safe, you know? Mm-hmm. If he has twenty interceptions, they're gonna bring back James Winston. Then they're gonna be like, okay, we see what the problem was. Doesn't that the conversation of was it Belichick or was it Brady type of thing, right? So I think he's probably playing it a little conservative too, right? Because he doesn't he doesn't want to get out there and have one of those crazy seasons, you know. Uh, Another guy that comes to mind as I'm speaking about Brady, um, and he's kind of having one of those seasons where he might be in that game manager mode is um the dude from the Saints. Breeze, uh, yeah, yeah. Breeze, right? Drew Breeze is kind of like you know, is he in that game manager mode now too? You think? He don't have the arm strength. <laughs> That's where his problem is. He don't have the arm yeah. strength. He can't. Hey, he's, he's like he like the, he like yeah. the, the Chad Pennington for the Jets. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm you know, a Jets He's accurate, you know, but he can't throw the ball no part no no part than twenty five yards the most. Yeah, you know, I, I, when you throw the ball, he's kind of winding it up. And it's been like it's, it's, it's hurting to throw the ball so deep and so far. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. The I, I look at both those guys, and they both, you know what they both. I can say this: they both have have um 
elite quarterback knowledge. Like from the yes. neck up, they yes. both elite quarterback. Yeah. Yes. Arm strength and arm talent, mm-hmm. they both game game managers. Game managers, yes. They're not gonna win the game with that arm. That's not gonna happen. You, you, know, you can't just line up and say, okay, win this game for us throwing the ball anymore. When, I don't, I don't see that happen. Janelle, for me, I, it's not even meant as an insult. I mean, right. you guys are, are, are career winners, both of them, right? Obviously, uh, Brady a little more than Breeze, but they, in terms of stats, uh, Breeze is up there, right? Stats leader in almost uh, every category you could think of, Brady with the championships. So I'm not calling them game managers as insults. Um, yeah, it's with all respect to them, but I, I think at this point in their career, I don't know if you can rely on them every single week to carry a team, you know? So I just want to make that point that it, it's not meant to be, you know, some type of insult. Right, right. Well, you, you see like a guy like Drew Brees, how much Michael Thomas actually means to him. Like Michael Thomas, he gets a lot of stuff, not even only on like deep routes, but a lot of separation on crossing routes and, and shorter routes. Like like Theo said basically about Drew Brees' arm, it's not Drew Brees throwing the ball all the way down the field. You got a guy like Michael Thomas who's getting separation where he can get a take a 12-yard pass and run another 20-something yards. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, that's the type hey, of guy. I like that. Make uh, he'll make a lot of people look better if he's on your team. You know, like, yeah. Like you say, you're seeing the difference now that he's out, right? Oh yeah, you see, you definitely see the difference. I mean, with Michael Thomas out, and we we you know we're starting to see a lot of people get a lot like a lot of injuries this year. <laughs> I mean, what do you guys think that's about, or what do you guys attribute to all these different injuries that we see this year to? Um, you start off by saying, as a, as a Cowboy fan, uh, get better. Dak Prescott, he broke his ankle today with the Giants, Ooh. so that that's very precious to me. I'm a Dak Prescott fan. Uh, but uh, as far as the top of top is concerned, um, yeah, Vaughn Miller's out, uh, Saquon Barkley's out, you know, Dak is out, a lot of guys is out. And without the uh, four games of preseason, we get this kind of results, man. Yeah. Great players, a good players getting hurt at a, at a alarming rate. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think this this uh, not so much shortened season because in theory they're they're on pace um, to play a full season. But with that being said, they have uh, like a lot of teams not fully practicing, right? Having to shut down the facilities, mm-hmm. no real training camp, at least the way they've been accustomed to. So right. I think definitely adding to it and to add on uh, like more players to the injury list. Unfortunately, you had a couple of guys from the 49ers, right? Bosa went down right, right. on ACL, right? right. Um, another guy on the 49ers, right? That same game against the yeah. Jets was ACL. So, I mean, I think it, a lot of it has to do with just not having the, the training time and stuff like that, that they're accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta agree with both you guys. I think that, um, you, with all the different things we got going on in the world with COVID and stuff, a lot of these guys, they, they didn't get the amount of training that you had before. People weren't with their trainers. I mean, even basic things, again, rehab for injuries that you previously had. People weren't getting in those facilities and doing all that stuff that they usually do. And I think as much as the players hated it, I think, like, like Theo said, preseason games probably mean a little more now than what they thought they meant because being in your own practice, playing against each other, basically playing rough touch is different than playing against an <laughs> opposition team that's trying to hit you. You get used to those bumps and those cuts and 
and what it's like to play in live action. Your own teams, you know, you got a quarterback with a red shirt on that you touch him with two hands. Nobody touches the quarterback and guys are laying guys on the ground. So it's not a lot of lot of real hitting and stuff going on. But when you get into the live game, your body's not accustomed to it. I mean, even guys you think about like when Le'Veon Bell set out, I mean, I'm sure physically he felt better from a body perspective, but not taking those hits for a while, when you start getting hit again, it takes a little bit of time to get used to that part of it. Well, I like that. I like that. I agree. Now, you think uh, the NFL should have, and it may go back to the money conversation we had earlier, but do you think the NFL should have considered like a shortened season to maybe add in a couple of preseason games here and there and shorten the regular season a little bit? or I, I think so. Maybe 12 games. 13 games yeah 12 13 because yeah. these all the teams are no OTA there's no OTAs it's just straight you know practice evaluate your players who they, who they, who could play and next you know it's games week one of the, of, of the season so um yeah I think so maybe 12 games these guys are more practice with their own players or get other teams so to speak I should say for sure but I'll say 12 13 games is, is sufficient you know, it's very understandable too, I would say too. So 12 to the game, I would I would be yeah, set up a full season with no practice and no OTAs, no um exhibition games. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. I think the twelve games would have been better. I think but one thing you know that that's sad to say is that with the, with no preseason games and all that stuff, it probably cost a lot of like younger players jobs in the NFL. That's true. So yeah. A lot of people didn't get those looks that they normally would have got. Yes. Stuff like that. I mean, the rosters might have even been different. Yeah, so, good point. I mean, yeah. just watching stuff like hard knocks and stuff, you see guys get cut. And even the coaches in there was admitting, like, I, I didn't get a good look at you. You know, it might have been different if we played games. But mm-hmm. realistically, <clears throat> you might have had different rosters. So without these preseason games to get your body in shape, to really get these players going and to see them, I mean, the one thing they did do that made a little sense was that I think they expanded the practice squad or something like that so you could shuttle players up more, yeah, more back and right, forth. Right. So that, that made sense but, sense, but these injuries and stuff are definitely definitely kicking them. Now, I don't yeah. think you have no like, uh, like bearing on the end of the season, but the beginning of the season in terms of like hardly like no preseason games and stuff like that i think that some of that applies to the refs as well right because they you know they they got to get in game shape so to speak too with some of these yeah. stuff like that so that may have a little bit of impact on some of these games in the beginning of the season you know what do you guys think of that that's yeah fair. I mean, that's fair yeah you could you could definitely see see some of the calls i mean they, i see them doing a lot more like Instant replays, a lot of replays getting called this year. Team coaches seem to be willing to throw that challenge flag out there this year to get see if they can get the call overturned. So, you, it, I think you know this might at least probably right now is the, the most they've ever done it. Guys usually value those timeouts a little more, but I guess the calls seem to be that far off, and I see a lot of them getting like overturned this year. So that could be a factor. I mean. Injuries aside, I mean, looking at the league this year, there's a couple of teams that seem to be doing a lot better than all of us probably expected or something, and some teams doing a little worse. So right now, what teams are surprising you guys and what they're doing? My surprise teams, I, I, I got probably about three of them. I would start with the Bills. Um, Josh Allen, 
the, the guy is, he seems to be having a big, big leap from this year, uh, this year from uh, last year, a big leap. Kind of, I'm a Jets fan, so kind of the leap I was hoping Darnold would make. <laughs> I would say the Bills, they, they've been a surprise team. My other team, somewhat of a surprise, is uh, I would say the Browns. I, I think the Browns had that talent uh, starting last year, maybe the year before, whenever they started putting these guys together, Odell going over there. and you know, So I would say the Browns seem like they're starting to put it all together a little bit, um, playing, playing well. And then my last team, I would say, is a, a surprise team for me, is uh, and this may surprise y'all, is, is the Jets. And I say that in the opposite direction. That I think is bad, you know? So that that's kind of surprising me. I thought Darnold um, would have that big leap. I knew they didn't go out necessarily and get the weapons for him. Um, like bringing in Gase originally, he was supposed to be this great offensive mind and stuff like that. So I was kind of expecting a, a, a little bit more. I thought maybe uh, a, a few games by now we would win. But even if we didn't win, I'm not even seeing competitiveness right now. So mm-hmm. I, I got the Jets as my my third surprise team on just how 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 bad you know they are right now. Uh, can uh, we say two three, two teams that I agree with were Buffalo and, and, and the Browns? I'm gonna say uh, the Raiders from Las Vegas, man. Okay, man. I'm, I'm gonna say the Raiders, man. You know these guys are getting um. Flat for, for relocating and, and, and Gruden's uh, offense and Gruden's, I guess, uh, communication skills with players was kind of suspect <laughs> at the time. What about that contract that Gruden got too, right? He got a massive right. track. He took heat for that. Or they, the organization took heat for that. Guaranteed yeah. 100 mil, you know? Yeah. So what happened was those guys uh, dropped it well for the last two years. And now we see those draft picks coming, come on the field, get playing time, and playing well. We had a big win today against the Chiefs. Yeah, big City. So uh, I would say the Raiders, man. The Raiders could easily be four and one instead of three and two. Yeah, well, I think they had one tough game. I forgot maybe two weeks ago where they played, but today off the game today, they were, they were showing up, man. Both ends, both ends of the football. So I'll say Raiders are about thirteen as far as uh, surprising the teams playing good outside of Buffalo and the Browns for sure. I mean, I gotta agree with both you guys with with the Bills, with the the Raiders. Say, I'm, I'm gonna throw another team in there, the Bears. Yes, nice. You know, I think the Bears finally kind of wised up the Mitchell Trubisky over his errors over. Mm-hmm. I mean, they put in a game manager, Nick Foles, but he won't hurt him. The defense is playing, you know, playing the way they should with Khalil Mack. You know, he got all the money. Right. But now he's back to regular being Khalil Mack. So right. they was, they're playing, playing really well. So. And Nick Foles is scary, man. I was gonna yeah, say he can win. Yeah, he point is, Nick Foles is scary. Uh, he's scary. He can throw the ball downfield, man. He can, he's accurate. Yeah. Throw the ball downfield. He's scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Very good defense and very well coached, man. So don't yep. Foles is do you guys? Because normally he's used to coming in on that back end of the season, right? When when right. Wentz goes down, kind of thing, right? He he would come in and, and save the day, so to speak, for them. Do you think Foles can can maintain for a full season, stay healthy, and perform for a full season? If he can, the guy proved he could play. There's no doubt about that. Right, it's showing right now. You know? Did did, did Foles play? For, I'm not, did Foles play for the Rams without researching? I think he played for the Rams first. Yeah, he played for the Rams first. Yeah, I think. And he, he showed very good flashes of of uh, 
playing good, man. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I guess he got hurt. I guess. Oh no, nah, sure. I think he they draft. They had the number one pick. They end up drafting um, what's his name? The quarterback they have now. Yeah. They, oh they yeah, 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 yeah. He's the quarterback too, by the way. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I've got his name. Joining Blake right now. I forgot his name. Yeah. But he's good too, by the way. Um, for Foles, if we, if we keep him upright, he's he's dangerous. He's dangerous. <laughs> it could be kind of like that, like like the uh, Ravens when they had when the Ravens had a uh, Trent Dilfer. But a better version of a guy who can actually throw the football. Divine the defense, you know, play smart. Yeah. I was like, I say, rely on your defense, play smart, man. You know, if it ain't there, throw the ball away. He falls is dangerous, man. The Bears got something going on, man. Bears got something. It could be dangerous come, you know, playoff time. What Rams quarterback is Jared Goff. That's who we're There you go, Jared Goff, man. And I got a, I got a um, team that that's definitely put some surprise on the negative side. I got to say the Houston Texans, man. I mean, I, I expected there to be maybe a little drop off or drop off with DeAndre Hopkins, but they added David Johnson. They added Brandon Cooks. They added um, what's name Devon, the Adams, the Adams guy. I thought that you know that that okay. You lose a little bit, but they will still be still be in the fold. But right. 0-4, and then you know, just basically they they won today against Jacksonville. I mean, that ultimately cost that coach the job. That and trading DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of beans. <laughs> but they That's they funny. basically they they basically a disappointment right now. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think their problem was just coaching, not talent. They should got rid of uh, Bill O'Brien maybe two or three years ago. Instead of doing it now, because that's for a few years. They made the playoffs, but they always uh, fell short for some reason. Some of those games in the playoffs, they had big leagues and blue leagues, man. Oh, so man. I think, yeah, I remember last last year they had big leagues in the playoffs and blue, blue games. But uh, I think the issue was Bill O'Brien. So now, now he's out of there. There's no excuse now. I found somebody to coach. Well, today was a Robo Canal. He filled him today. And those yeah. guys won. Um, the problem with the, I guess that's quite but we'll see from this point on how, how the guys play well. You never know, man. One win could jump start a team to a you know, big-ass winning streak. You never know. Yeah. Just one win. To jump back to the Bears, what makes them scary is they always had a defense. Right. Yeah. Kind of always been waiting for that offense to catch up. Right. Yeah. With falls, that offense is there, you know? So that's what makes them scary. That defense has always been top-notch. Mm-hmm. You know, so now you, you couple that with a with a good offense. That, right. Bears have weapons. The Bears have weapons or offense too. So. And then yeah, you can enjoy that weather, you know? Yeah. 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 So. You know, they're tough. So we just talked about teams that we felt were like surprise teams, you know, coming up, both positive and negative. So what do we think of some early Super Bowl? favorite candidates, people to make the game and possibly win? For me, uh, I got to go with the, with the Chiefs. You got to go through the champions. And in addition to that, it's, it's hard to go against Mahomes, you know? I know they lost now. I was, I, I've been spoiled by him. I was kind of almost expecting a, a, a undefeated season, assuming there was no injuries. Um, so I, I think it's, it's, it's a lot of tough teams, as we just discussed, a lot of surprise teams. I think you you got to go through the champions. I think you got to go through the Chiefs, and I, I give it to the Chiefs. I think they're going to win another one. I think they got enough talent where that team over there is a dynasty, assuming they stay healthy. If they stay healthy, that's a big if. This is football. 
Mm-hmm. But if they, if they can stay healthy um, and keep that team together, keep like the egos in check and stuff like that, I think they, they're going to be a problem for, for years to come. So this year I got the Chiefs winning it again. Um, the, all the good teams that are favored to win are in AFC. You know, the Ravens, Chiefs, Buffalo. What my top three out there? You have to get doing Pittsburgh too. He's playing great too as well. The East, I would, I would see uh, right now. I would definitely say Green Bay. The Saints is not really playing up the par so far in the season. So I would go Green Bay for sure as I guess uh, the best team in the East, in my opinion. And number two is the Bears, and they're both playing in the same same division as well. But uh, come out the East, I'm gonna say Green Bay. Uh, AFC, they got a bunch of teams, man. Three, four teams: Steelers, Buffalo, Ravens, and, and the Chiefs. But uh, like we said, I, w- I would give Chiefs the respect that go through them first, though. But uh, I'm quite sure the Ravens are due to beat those guys, man. They keep losing year in, year out, man. And one game, man, never know. They're, they're gonna have their chance to beat those guys, man. So, like I said, I do Kareem. I go. I say Chiefs for now, though. But uh, Buffalo's tough. Buffalo's tough. Buffalo's tough and physical too, and Ravens, man. Ravens, uh, they did good as well, man. I'm quite sure Ravens want that one more chance to be the Chiefs, man. I'm the end of the guys. I'm gonna go with two teams that's completely off of those teams. Uh oh. I'm gonna go with the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, that's right. You got Russell Wilson with the MVP play. Oh. You got DK Metcalf and these guys playing so much better, and you know they threw Jamal Adams in there, so now they got a little more defense. Like a so, boom type era coming back. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I got Seattle. them. Great and I got another team that quietly went through the playoffs last year and didn't get the credit they deserved. The Tennessee Titans. Yeah, the Tennessee went, Titans are still undefeated this year. And they wish them in they seem like they just picked off where they left off. They just they added Jadavion Crowley and Vic Beasley to the defense. So as long as they stay the course, they're gonna be in the game too, because you figure they, they were this close to taking out Kansas City, and they took out Baltimore. So, listen, I got to give them some credit, too. Can, can, like, y'all, those two, can y'all those two are good ones, man? Props to you on that one, man. I hopped up by Seattle. I have no idea. <laughs> you know, we just played them. got a bus kick, so. But the Titans are tough, too, man. Just an old-school throwback team, man. Like, like on yeah. the head coach, man. They just throwback, throwback team. They play tough. They play smart. They play physical. They win the football. and make good plays, man. The so crazy thing you just say is very good. The crazy thing is we're like discussing so many teams that could possibly win it. Like there's a lot of a lot of top-notch teams out there. Like are we kind of like going to the era where there's like teams that are really bad and then teams <laughs> it almost feels that way, you know? Like in between is kind of gone. I mean, you figure you got the Jets, the Giants and the Falcons who haven't won anything. So you know, you know there's some bad teams out there and I think I might be missing a couple so it might be like it's a huge divide either you got really good teams or you got really bad teams even teams with one lot even teams with one wins are bad my Cowboys are bad you know, <laughs> they, they are just awful uh what Philadelphia Eagles not doing too good you know so a lot of teams Bengals Saints, have two, Saints yeah. have two wins but Saints don't look good at all either yeah, so uh, it's, it's kind of like kind of top heavy in AFC, man. Maybe five, sixteen tops, man. Really. So I agree with Kareem. You saying about this? Yeah, I think you guys are right. You know, when you look at it, you got the Chargers with one win, the Broncos with one win, the Eagles, the, the Redskins. We're saying Detroit, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a lot of teams that are bad. Yeah, <laughs> that are bad. Even some of those teams are kind of like they could have easily been on any one of our surprise lists, right? Yeah. yeah. 
in a negative way. You take Minnesota, like when they gave, uh, I can't remember his name. Kurt's cousins, I know. Exactly. <laughs> you automatically knew, right? When they gave him that contract, yeah. like, man, they were this close, right? To, to like going all the way at one point. Yes. Yeah. So to see them at the bottom, you know, yeah. they easily be on that surprise list in a negative way, you know? Yeah, they, I mean, and that's just that's just talking about the the no win and one win teams. There's a whole bunch of two win teams too, so it's it's like a huge divide. You got teams that are really good, and teams that are really bad. Right. Which I wouldn't be surprised if we had a team that that's, that's eight and eight or seven and nine, possibly making the playoffs this year. That'd probably be the Eagles NFC East. <laughs> seven and they nine, gonna win the division with that seven oh, yeah, and nine? It's, it's, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. <laughs> Giants, yeah. Giants are not good. You, you, you no, know, Giants are good. The Skins are not good. There you go. Cowboys walked back for the season, and they were barely winning with him. You know, so <laughs> I'm <laughs> always out for the season. I got good in Philly, man. Please. I'm always concerned about Hart and Wentz, though. You know, mm-hmm. every time with him, I see him step on the field. It's like, unfortunately, it's almost like you're expecting him to get injured now. Unfortunately, yeah. But if he can stay healthy, you know. Um, Somebody had a bet going whether we're going to see Jalen Hurts this year or not. <laughs> no, that happened. That's, that's social media talk right there, man. That's not happening. That's not happening. Jalen Hurts not making an appearance this season. Yeah, maybe a, maybe a, a trick play or something. Yeah, but that's about it. <laughs> that happened. I hear you guys, man. Well, hey guys, man. Listen, that concludes our first episode of with no ideas, original sports. I'm Kenyatta. I'd like to thank Kareem and Theo. So, then you guys got any parting words? Listen, man, I had a good time. I enjoyed this. You two guys, I could be all day talking to you, with you guys, man. I could be all day just chilling, man. So, <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed this. Hope I'm looking forward to more episodes with you two guys, man. So, uh, thank you for the invite. Happy to be here, man. So, uh, you gotta have a great night, man. Let's keep doing you it. You too. Yeah, same here. I, I, had a, a lot of fun you know i could i could go on for another couple of hours you know yes for sure um, listen so i'm sorry to put you up before you guys go man the carrie irvin comments let's talk on that real quick please man okay kareem always got a opinion for you before you all go home and, okay you know, okay do our thing what you guys think about that kyrie you think we'll shade on lebron or not i mean I think I think Kyrie Kyrie throws throws a lot of shade. I think I think you, what his thing is is that he was him. He he always felt that 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 Cavaliers team was his team. Like he never seen himself as Batman and Robin. He seen it like it maybe was Batman and Batman, and nobody right. ever gave him credit. Right. So he right. felt like LeBron came in and everybody treated him like he was a little guy or something. So I don't think he's gonna have too many kind words for LeBron. I mean, he he get he, you know he gets along with him, and you can't really say too much bad about the king because that's going to be a problem. Right. But whenever he can slip a jab in there, he's going to slip it in. I agree. I, I agree. I think he made uh, Kyrie. It's like this guy's known for making some of these uh, controversial comments. Uh, another one being the whole Steve Nash thing, right? He, I don't see Steve mm. head coach and. <laughs> As it That's pertains, right. I forgot about that. You know, as it pertains to the LeBron comment, yeah, I think there was definitely some shade there. Um, if I'm LeBron, I'm not paying it too much mind. You know, business as usual. LeBron is in in the finals. Kyrie is home. You know, <laughs> opted not to to come to the bubble. But yeah, I think there was some some shade there. 
Um, but at this point, it's to be expected, almost to be expected from from Kyrie. You know, right? You know, I, I was listening. I listened to uh, Rich, Rich Jefferson from the play for the Nets. He has his own podcast too, and um, he had a response after Kyrie's comments, and he said that he had um, had Kyrie on his podcast quite a few times, and quite a few times he had to take out. Some comment that was really questionable to, to put on air because uh, you know Kyrie could be saying a lot of outlandish kind of things, man. So I'm quite sure Kyrie said a whole bunch of stuff that we don't know. He ever said though, but RJ got it on file. So if RJ <laughs> feel like putting it out there for us to hear it, RJ got it though. But he did say that Kyrie said a lot of lot of crazy stuff that he had to take out before putting the podcast out to the public. Wow, <laughs> wow, that's that sounds like Kyrie. But again, guys, thank you guys again, man. Look forward to the next episode. 